The Gospel according to Matthew. And today we're going to find our text in verse 3, or in chapter 3. According to Matthew, chapter 3, starting at verse 1, we will find these words. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Now John himself was clothed in camel's hair, with a leather belt around his waist. And his food was locusts and wild honey. Then Jerusalem, all of Judea, and all the region around the Jordan went out to him. And were baptized by him in the Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming 
to his baptism, he said to them, Brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Amen. Thank you for the standing of the reading of God's word. Amen. Before we get into our exposition of our scripture text, I just want to uh, go back just a moment to uh, my announcements for a moment and just talk about something real quickly on yesterday. Um, yesterday we had such a wonderful time in the Lord at the funeral of Brother Victor Jones. The spirit was in this place. And I just loved the way that was. I was telling Reverend Stevens and Brother Wheeler, I said, I'm still on a high from yesterday. But ain't it good when the saints of God have what the world calls a funeral? That it's not a funeral at all, but it's a homegoing celebration. Amen? Amen. So let us now enter into our text for today. And I want to talk with you for a few moments from the thought. One crying out from the wilderness. One crying out from the wilderness. This is the second message in our series of messages on Jesus. Making the mind and his ministry. We have seen earlier, we saw the genealogy of Jesus and we saw the implication on last week of that genealogy. We saw how God was able to make sure that Jesus would come on the scene even when the king of the land had put out an edict that all males were to be killed. We found that God has every life in his hand. And so today... We are now going into another phase of Jesus' making. We're going into the next phase of Jesus' making to where the, the prophetic word now begins to flow again in Jerusalem. Here in verse 1, I want to contend that God will send you a word in due time. The children of Israel had not had a prophetic word from the Lord in 400 years. The last prophetic word that they heard was from the prophet Malachi. Can you imagine what it would be like for 400 years to not hear a prophetic word from the Lord? When that is how the people were used to hearing from the Lord. Not a prophet. No one was speaking. He was silent. Can you imagine how people would get off track without the continual encouragement and the continual correction of the word of God? I mean, we come every Sunday. We come Wednesdays. We come to hear the word so that we stay on track. Can you imagine 400 years of quietness? But the text says, in those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. 
I want to bring out the whole idea that John the Baptist was like no other. John the Baptist came preaching an unadulterated gospel. He came preaching with a clear, concise message that people needed to hear. But he didn't come for those outside of Israel. He came for the nation. He came preaching a message for the in crowd. He came preaching a message for the religious folk. And so I contend today that the church needs to hear the same message that John preached to Israel because the church deals with the same issues that the nation dealt with. So as we look at our text in verses 2 and 3, the message is repent to those who are inside as well as those who are out. Look at our text and saying repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah saying, the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. Isn't it interesting that John the Baptist came preaching from the wilderness. Bible students will realize that Old Testament prophets, many of them came preaching from the wilderness. They may not have had their abode in the wilderness, but they went to the wilderness so that they could hear from the Lord. There's something about the wilderness. The wilderness with all of its vines and catches is still a quiet place. It's not a place with a whole lot of hustle and a whole lot of bustle. But it's a place of quietness that you can hear the still small voice of the Lord. Sometimes we need to get somewhere so we can have our wilderness experience. Sometimes we need to get out of the frenetic of life. We need to get out of the hustle and the bustle, out of all of the chaos of life so that we can hear from the Lord, Deacon Johnson. We need to get somewhere where folk ain't ringing our phones all the time. Folk ain't knocking on our doors. TVs are not going off. We need to get somewhere that we can have a focus on what thus saith the Lord. Every believer needs that time to have a one-on-one -on -one with God. If Jesus would leave the disciples and go up into a mountain so that he could pray, how much more do we need to also get along so we can hear from the Lord? But in our text, we see that he came with a concise message, and that is repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Now here John the Baptist is speaking to the nation. He's speaking to the people who held the law. He's speaking to the religious leaders, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the scribes who were the interpreters of the law. He is speaking 
to those who are on the inside. Because what this text allows us to see is that when we're not hearing a word from the Lord, we get off. Now they were 400 years and not hearing. But how long has it been since you heard from the Lord? I mean, we go to church Sunday after Sunday. We, we, we go to Bible study, some of us. But during the week, we're in such a frantic pace. We're running to this event and to that event. We're running all over. We need to get quiet and slow it down so we can hear from the Lord. The moment it starts to get quiet in our houses, we're picking up the phone and looking at Facebook or calling a friend or trying to find out what episode or what program is on TV. Because we have conditioned ourselves for noise to be going on all the time. But that's not what God is requiring for us to get a good, solid connection with him. You know, friends and family are good. God bless them. It's really good because we can encourage our one another. But it's not like hearing from the Lord. It's not like getting alone in your quiet time with the word of God, just you and God, and letting him speak to you in his word. Without the distractions of mommy this or daddy that or sister this or brother that, cousin this, uncle, aunt, all of that stuff quieted out. No desperate housewives, no, no preachers of L.A., none of that mess. Shut all that down and hear from the Lord. Because it is him who strengthens us. And you can hear me preach every week, but it's still not hearing directly from the Lord. The Lord has built us to commune with him. And he wants to talk to us one on one. So in this text, we see this clear, concise message to the people of Israel that they should repent. That they should turn from their wicked ways. Even though they were sons and daughters of Abraham, even though they were of the commonwealth of Israel, they were still off track. Even though we have membership in New Zion. Even though our grandparents, our parents, our ancestors were saints of God, we still, what? Get off track. And so even for us, the word of repentance is a word we need to hear. But not only be a hearer, but a doer. Because sometimes in repenting, we need to repent of what we're not doing. Our Sunday school lesson, as Sister Brown was teaching, we saw how we should have compassion for those who can't do nothing for us. But most of the time, we're so self-absorbed in our own issues and our own problems that we really don't have no time for nobody else. If we're looking for somebody else, we're looking for somebody that can do something for us. I mean, think about your life. Just kind of a survey over your life. A lot of times, that's exactly how we operate from week to week. But that's not what God is calling us to be. God is calling us to be a chosen people to have compassion over those who can't do nothing for us. And 
And sometimes we got to lay our own stuff down so we can help somebody else. And the fact of the matter, no matter how rough our situations get, we still better off than the person out there that don't know God. And we got somebody who knows our needs before we even ask. But the one outside who doesn't even know the Lord is on their way to a burning hell. Our business is fixed. We're on our way to paradise, regained. So are our problems really all that bad that we can't look for the welfare of those who are on their way to hell? I mean, we hear this message so often, I think sometimes it becomes null in our minds. But God is saying, children, you need to get about my business. I know that you're ritualistically doing things for me, but you're not dealing with the weightier matters. He's saying, repent, because the kingdom of God is at hand. We're going to enter the kingdom of God one or two ways. We're either going to die, absent from the body, is present with the Lord, or the Lord is coming back. Either way, the kingdom of God is at hand. The Bible tells us that it is closer than when we first believed. This message of repent for the kingdom of God is at hand is a message of urgency. For the saints of God to get out of their lethargy and their complacency and start moving and doing things that God would have us to do in his vineyard. There are folk hungry. There are folk sick. There are folk who need a word from the Lord. There are community members that need all kind of issues that we can supply. But we got to get our minds right. We got to turn and then look aside and see the need and then act on it. See, I know in our current culture, it's difficult. Because what happens in any church community that the membership that makes up that community in that church does not live in that community. So what happens is we come to church and then we go home, but we go to another community with a whole different set of needs. And it becomes difficult because now we have a duality. We have a ministry in our own neighborhood where we live, but we have been called to this place to minister in this community. And so the difficulty comes because leaving our own community where we live to come to this community is difficult. It costs us time, it costs us energy, it costs us money to get here. But that's what God is calling us to be. We would not be part of this church in this place if God did not want us to affect this community, no matter where we are living. Because God sees a need right here in Marlboro that these people right here, us, are able to take care of, are able to fulfill. But we've got to get our mind focused on that ministry. We've got to repent, turn, for the kingdom of God is at hand. As we continue to look at our text, we find that you don't have to be a fashion show to be a force for God. Look at verse 4. 
Verse 4 says, Now John himself was clothed in camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. You don't have to be a fashion show to be a force for the Lord. I know in our time of mega church, mega media outlets, we've got folk with fancy clothes on and big congregations and beautiful churches that have ministries that are doing things around the land. But God is calling smaller churches to still do the same thing. You don't have to have all those trappings to do what the Lord has for us to do. Look at John. Look how he's dressed. John is clothed in camel's hair. This is not a fine refrained camel's hair that has been softened, but this is the rough camel's hair that's sewn into an outfit for him to wear. He was not concerned about how he looked like the Pharisees and the Sadducees did, how they would have whited robes and all kind of fancy tab, ta tassels because John came for one reason and one reason only, and that is to bring a message to the nation of Israel to repent because the kingdom of God is at hand. And really and truly, the church really has one mission. The church has one focus, and we are to seek and to save that which is lost. The Great Commission is go ye therefore into all nations, teaching them to do what? Observe all things that, you would, that he has told us to observe. But in the midst, he also wants us to make disciples. So the mission is clear. It's a single focus. And just as John's was to preach repentance, so it is for the church to be on the mission to seek and to save that which is lost. And we see that John was one who had a belt of leather around his waist and he ate the food with locusts and wild honey. He didn't have to have a fancy gourmet meal to do the work of the Lord. He took what the Lord supplied for him and he got about God's business. We don't have to have the best of things. We don't have to have such an overflow of everything in order to be effective for God. We just take that which we have and God will make it much. Remember the widow at Zarephath. When the prophet Elijah showed up, she said, told the prophet that she was going to rub two sticks together, take a little flour and a little oil. Basically, she was going to make some whole cake bread. Her and her son was going to eat it and they was going to die. But God showed them that God is the supplier of all their needs. And he began to pour out his blessing through Elijah in a way that their flour never ran out, nor their oil ended. They had whole cake bread for days. So it is with us. When we look at our life and our situations and our need and say we can't help nobody else, we have to realize whom we serve. God is looking for some folks to press up hope against all hope. 
He's looking for some folks to say, you know what, I see how things are, but I know the Lord is calling me to do this, and I'm going to trust the Lord to refill and to fulfill everything that I need. Because isn't the Lord so big? Don't we agree that the cattle on the thousand hills and the hills thereof is the Lord's? So if we really believe that, then we ought to be able to kind of move in a direction believing that God is going to supply our every need. And so as we look at this text, we see that he was eating locusts and honey. John the Baptist, nobody like John the Baptist. John was eating locusts inside the law of God and he was getting honey, not from the little cans or the little bottles with the cute little bear on the front that he took off the top and started to drink, but he was getting it right out of the hive, being stung. Ain't nobody like John. John did not let his exterior situation dictate to him how he was going to minister of God. He did not let his environment change his desire to do what he needed to do for the Lord. And so the church can't do that either. We can't start looking at our external situation and say, well, I can't minister for the Lord. You know, I'm going through this and I got this pain, so I ain't going to do nothing for the Lord right now because I got to deal with myself. God never said to us as the church that we ought to sit down and figure everything out for ourselves. Jesus died and he lives in us to do in us what we cannot do for ourselves. If we could do it all for ourselves, then God did not need to send his son and his son did not need to die. But we have some things we can't do. Matter of fact, we got a lot of things. Because Jesus says, without me, you can do what? Nothing. So we got to get back to not letting our external circumstances control our ministries. Our ministries have been stalled and shut down because our external circumstances has convinced us that we can't do nothing right now. But the kingdom of God is at hand. There is an urgency here, folks. We are in the latter days. When we look at TV and watch the news and we see all this chaos, it's only indicators that the world is coming closer to an end. But the thing that we also have working against us is we don't know how long we have on this earth. And it's now is the time to redeem it. Now is the time to work for the Lord because we don't know how many days we got left. Oh, what a sad shame would it be that we die and go to heaven and say, well, I was going to do. When we met the master, he said, daughter, son, why didn't you go do this, what I told you to do? Well, Lord, I I had this situation and I was going to do. You know what the master's going to say. You know how he's going to look at you. But we got to get about that business now. Because there's an urgency because we don't know when our time is up. And now as we go on in our text, to a rhema word of God, people will respond. To a relevant word from the Lord, people will respond. Verses 5 and 6. Then Jerusalem 
all Judea and all the region around the Jordan went out to him and were baptized by him in the Jordan, confessing their sins. A rhema word from the Lord. A word from God. Every believer in this house is endowed with the Holy Spirit of God. And the sword of the Spirit is the word of God. It is by the Holy Spirit that we minister to others. And so when we speak a word to them regarding salvation, then we speak according to God's word. We speak as oracles unto God because we speak in the power of the Holy Ghost. And so by faith, we ought to expect folks to respond. I bring this up because this is a convicting word for me as well. Because sometimes we don't talk to our families and our friends who we know aren't saved. Because I believe sometimes we wonder if it'll do any good. Sometimes we wonder, should I talk about Jesus to them again? All they're going to do is cuss me out. All they're going to do is say, I don't want to hear that stuff. And then I ain't going to see him for a while. But if God is laying on your heart to speak to them about his word, then you need to believe that God's word does not return void. It's part of our mission to seek and to save that which is lost. Now, if a man, John, crying out in the wilderness with camel hair and a leather belt, eating locusts and honey, causes folks from all around Judea and in the region, and the region was more than uh, I believe more than 75 miles in radius. People were coming from everywhere to hear John the Baptist preach. Why? Because they needed a word from the Lord. And those folks in our families and those friends and people we meet, they need a word from the Lord. If they ain't saved, they need to repent and be baptized. That is what the scriptures say. But it's not our job to make them repent. It's not our job to make them be baptized. But it's all God's job. All he's using us as, as vessels to deliver his word. He's responsible for doing all the changing. So our job isn't really all that hard. But the devil has us believing that what use is it? Is it going to do any good? Sometimes we get to the point to where we get tired of asking folks, to come to church. We get, we get tired of talking to them about it because we've talked to them before and we've gotten this negative attitude. But is not God calling us to persevere? Isn't he calling us to keep at it? Because we don't know what word, what day is going to affect somebody to come to Christ. And some people whom we give a word, we may never see the results. Paul the apostle said, that Apollos water, he planted in Apollos water, but it is God that gives the increase. God is just looking for us to be obedient. Amen? He's just looking for us to do his will. Let God be God. Let man be the lie and God be true. Amen? Amen. 
So as we look at our text, as I come to a close, as soon as the kingdom starts reaping, the snakes will start peeping. As soon as the kingdom starts reaping, the snakes will start peeping. Look at verse 7. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? See, John peeped them out. He peeped out those hypocritical religious leaders that were not for the Lord. They looked like it, but their hearts were far from him. And when the work of reaping starts, when folks start coming to Christ in this place, you can bet the snakes are on their way. You can look for them. Because the devil understands that his control is being taken when folks are being added to the kingdom of God. But you got to watch them because they're good at masquerading. They're good at putting on fine suits and talking with eloquent words. And they're good at putting on nice hats and wearing very beautiful dresses. They're good at that. Men and women both can be in that brood of vipers. But you got to be alert. And I'm saying this as God begins to bless this place. And he begins to, through you as you are obedient to him, reap the harvest. The snakes are coming. As the honeysuckle, when they begin to become sweet, here comes the snakes. As the blackberries grow on their vine, here comes the snake. Because in the reaping of the harvest for God, it's a sweet thing. And so the snakes are on their way. Be, at, be on lookout because they're on their way. But even in that, be like John and be single focused on the ministry because the kingdom of God is at hand. They were a brood of vipers because they were whitewashed sepulchers full of excess and distortion. As Jesus said, they looked real pious on the outside. But there was no God in them on the inside. But you have to test the spirits to see whether or not they are God. See, that's one of the roles of the Holy Spirit in you. That you, by the power of the Holy Spirit, can test another spirit to see whether or not it's of God. Because it is the Holy Spirit that will bear with your spirit whether or not they are God's servants. Keep your eyes open. And look for the harvest. But when the harvest come, realize that the snakes will be there too. And so today, if there's anybody here who does not know this Jesus that I'm speaking of, does not understand the relationship with God, I open the doors of the church and I invite you to come in. I invite you to ask the Lord to forgive you of your sins. Allow him to come and live in you. 
so that he can do in you what you cannot do for yourself. Jesus Christ died for you one Friday evening. He was buried and he rose from the grave. He's not dead, but he sits at the right hand of his father interceding for you. It won't cost you nothing because Jesus has already paid it all. But all you got to do is come and receive that which God has for you. Eyes have not seen nor ears have heard of the good things that the Lord has for those who love him. You can come today just as you are. There is a ship that is on the banks and is waiting for you to get on board. Don't you wait another minute, another second, or another hour. Get on board today. Tis the old ship of Zion. Tis the old ship of Zion.
but there's still plenty good room. You can get on board. Amen. Amen. And amen. Where he leads me, I will follow. Thank you for everything we have seen and heard on today. Lord, help us to be the doers of your word that you would have us to be, oh God. Lord, we've got so much work to do, Master. Lord, you said that the harvest was brilliant, but the laborers are few. Lord, let New Zion be a place of laborers, oh God. That we go out in this vineyard, Lord, and we do the work of the Master in our community, oh God. Lord, let us be the ones that feed them who are hungry. Give water to those who are thirsty. Give the word to those who need to know our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And Lord, I just believe you will be happy with us, oh God. You will be pleased if we get about our mission, oh God. But Lord, heal us inside this home as well, oh God. Because we cannot be the mission that we need to be unless we are on one accord. But, Lord, I know you got that power in your hand, Master. And, Lord, help us to take the steps necessary to become one together. Lord, we love you and we lift you up for you are worthy to be praised. And, Lord, we ask that you bless the offerings that we're about to give, O oh God. Lord, we ask that you use it, O oh God, for the encouragement and the edification of your kingdom, O oh God. Lord, we thank you so much for the opportunity to give, knowing it's more blessed to give than to receive. Lord, we ask you and thank you in these things in the blessed name of Jesus and the whole church saying, Amen. Amen. Be seated and please obey the ushers. Amen.